Ephesians, let's go to chapter number 4. Ephesians 4. Now, as you're turning there, in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 28, this question said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And the answer to that question was that you will believe in Him whom He sent. And so we're, we're called believers. And a believer believes. We're not beggars. We're believers. And so God wants to impart some things with us. And it's a partnership that we must learn to trust God and believe God. You know, so many times in the Scripture, that's what went before. All things are possible to those who believe. Believe, and so we just got to get that on the inside of us. Now let's look in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse number 17. And it's entitled, the subtitle topic there, above it says, The New Man. And it says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. One translation says, is the heathen walk. In the futility of their mind. Now, the word futility there means empty. One translation says they're empty-headed. And so he's telling us here that we shouldn't walk as the world does. Now, look what he goes on to say. Verse 18, this is Apostle Paul talking. He says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. In other words, they've lost touch with God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Now remember the prophet Hosea said in Hosea 4. He said my people perish for lack of knowledge or for being ignorant. And so he said because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness or the hardness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. They're addicted to perversion. To work all the uncleanliness with greediness. Now when I look at verses 18 and 19. There are five traits of a worldly walk. There's five traits in those. And each one of them are centered around that word futility. Now that word futility that we read there in verse 17 means emptiness or, or not having the things of God within us. We are our are, are purposelessness. Now listen to the five traits here that he said that would go hand in hand. The first one said that their understanding will be darkened. Guys, we've got to not let that happen to us. My understanding comes from the Scripture. The second one, he says, that we're alienated from the life of God. I can't alienate myself from God. Look real close at the third one, he said. Once again, it's ignorance of God's way. The fourth one is blindness or hardness of the heart. And the last one he talks about being past feeling is it's an unfeeling state. And, and it means to have ceased to care. And so he warns us in these things that if you've got these symptoms, you've got to fight them off. You can't let them attach themselves to you. Keep reading. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by Him as the truth as in Jesus. So anytime you want to know truth in your life, just get around Jesus. Because all the truth we're ever going to need is in Him. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Now, 
the old lifestyle, the old man, it was dominated in each one of us by a thing called disobedience. Disobedience dominated us. And what was his prescription here? You got to put those things off. Don't let those things stay attached to you. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So right here, he's telling me one way that I get away from that old man. And when we talk about being renewed in the spirit of our mind, it always goes to Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed, molded, shaped to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. What does that mean, guys? i got to start getting the Word in me and letting my thinking be guided by the Word of God. My Everything within me has got to start lining up with the Word of God. And that's how I become renewed. My mind, it'll be transformed into the things of God. Now you want to see huge change in your life? Start getting in the Word of God. Start getting in the Word of God and looking what it says. And say, okay, if this is what the Word of God says, this is how I'm going to mow my life. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it'll go upstream to the way the world thinks. It'll go completely opposite with what the world does. But you want to see blessings in your life? You want to see fruit in your life? Got to get in the Word of God. I like to say it this way, you get in the Word and God will get in you. And He'll start changing you in a good way. But you got to yield in. And I think the key there was in verse 22 when he says, put off that old man. Put off. Now look what he goes on to say in verse 24. And that you put on the new man. Well, what does it mean by the new man? The new man means that when you give your heart to Jesus, Jesus comes on the inside and he changes your heart. He doesn't change your physical appearance. He doesn't give you a new body. Now that'd be nice. If that took place, we'd all be getting born again every week. Man, no need to get on a diet. I'm just going to get born again. He's going to give me some more hair, Ernest, me and you. He's going to give us new hair. No, that's not what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about here? Yeah, this, that you put on the new man. It's an inside job. Remember, God changes us from the inside out. God begins to work on the inside of you, and it all of a sudden it starts becoming manifest on the outside of you. How many, when you give your heart to Jesus, have you ever had people say about you, you're different? You don't talk the way you used to. You don't act the way you used to. And many of you have gone to church here long enough. You know this story here. And you know my brother pastors in Clovis. And there were years and years that we would go to this restaurant in Clovis called Guadalajara. And we would walk in there and sit. And it never failed that people would come up and they would look at both of us and they'd say, if God can change you two, he can change anyone. Well, to us, that was a compliment. They begin to see that there was some difference within us. You know how it started, first of all, guys, that we begin to put off that new man. We become where we, we started transforming our mind. And I love to say this to you guys, that this is 30 years in the making. When I was 20 years old, guys, this wasn't who I was. I was a mess. But oh, thank God that when you just stick with the Word of God and you keep getting in the Word of God, God will transform you. So I say that, to say, it's not too late for you. And some of you say, oh, pastor, you don't know my... It's okay. God knows your past. So he tells us here. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, 
in true righteousness and holiness. And so the new man, guys, is a, is a lifestyle that becomes dominated by obedience. Anytime you look at the scriptures, the keys to the things of God's kingdom are always, op are always open by obedience. When I begin to obey God's word, oh my God, get ready. There's going to be huge changes in me. And so when you look at all this, guys, God wants to be in a partnership with you. He wants to be in partnership. And what do you mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go, go over a page or two to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be in Ephesians most of the night tonight. Ephesians 6, and we're going to start in verse number 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. You've got to get this. Get to some of you need to tell your mind, you're going to focus, you're going to pay attention. Ears, you're going to hear the Word of God tonight. Finally, or in conclusion, my brethren. Now you know that is? That's us. We're the brethren. That's talking to believers, my brethren. Be strong in who? Be strong in the Lord and in what? The power of His might. Now if you've been here the last, I don't know how many months, we've been talking about grace Grace is one of God's way of empowering us. And he said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now this is where the partnership comes in. That God's going to power me, empower me. He's going to help me to be strong. But i got to hook up with him. How do I hook up with him? Well, look here, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. And some of you may say tonight, I didn't know God had armor for us. Yeah, he does. And think about this. If God is issuing us as brethren, as believers, uh, armor, there's a reason for it. He just doesn't want us to look like soldiers. He wants us to play the part. And so when I see here that He's given me some armor, not only does He want me to put on the armor, He wants me to understand how to use that armor. Now, what does that have to tie in with? Well, I think back at the story of David... Remember when King David was a young boy and he went out to fight Goliath. And everybody told him, don't do it, dude, don't do it. You're just a punk kid. You can't whip him. And so remember when David goes out, the first thing he does is he picks up some weapons. Five stones, his slingshot. But when he comes on the scene and he sees Goliath, he says to Goliath, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? You come against me with a sword. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And so he understood, God's going to strengthen me. God's going to empower me. But you know what? I still got to fight. I still got to pick up the weapon. So this is what God's telling us. He said, put on the armor of God or the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now when you see that word stand there, in the next few verses you're going to see that three or four times, whether it's the word stand or the word withstand. The word stand there in, in verse 11 means to hold at bay aggressively or to stand in front of and oppose. Now he's telling me to stand aggressively. You know what that means? That means, I mean, you, you got the eye of the tiger. I don't believe that God ever wants us to be wimpies. Jesus didn't die for us to, to, to cover up. I mean, I think it's that same boldness that was on David. 
even with everything was in him, was saying, you're crazy to be doing this. He knew God was saying, you can do it, buddy. I'm going to tell you, you've got to do stuff afraid. So you just look at it and say, okay. So he says here, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the ambushes, the strategies, the deceits of who? The devil. The devil. So I'm going to tell you right there, when you see that verse right there, you need to understand this, guys. That when it comes to believers, brethren, children of God, because you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, understand this, the devil can't stand you. His will for you, according to John 10.10, is he wants to kill you, steal from you, and destroy you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, your opponent, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now that's why we got some weapons, guys. That's why. So we may be able to stand against the deceits of the devil. Verse 12. Now listen. For we wrestle not. Now i got to talk about that word wrestle there. Because it, it means to engage actively in one-on-one combat. That's what that means right there. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, when the devil shows up on the scene, I can't punch him right in the face and give him a bloody nose. I'd like to be able to do that. But that's not going to happen. Now I want you to understand this. He said, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against. So you know what he's telling us? We are in combat. And who's it against? Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And some people will say, who are they talking about? All the demons, and if you think about this, when the devil got kicked out of heaven, a third of the angels were stupid enough to follow him. That's who this is. These principalities and powers. So you know what their goal is here? Is to cause havoc to me and you. And they want to try to wreck your day. They want to try to wreck your life. And so this is what the Lord is telling us. I'm giving you some weapons. So you don't have to let them bully you. Have you ever noticed that? That's kind of how the devil tries. He'll try to bully you. He'll try to bluff you over and over and over and over and over you. And that's why he's telling you, you've got to stand your ground. Stand your ground. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Now remember, God's given me this army, but who did he say is going to have to withstand? You and me. And you know what the word withstand means? That verb, it suggests that we vigorously oppose Him. One translation says that we bravely resist. Another one says, says that we stand face to face. Now in the natural, guys, we're, we're no match for the devil. But oh, when we put Jesus on, and we start understanding our authority in Jesus' name, and we understand what the weapons mean, I'm going to tell you, it evens things out so much that the devil doesn't like it. He does not like it. And so this is the thing we must understand. He does not want you knowing the truth. 
He doesn't want you to know it. Because a Christian that knows the truth and understands his authority, he's a threat to him. So he says here, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now when you look at that last verse there, when it says stand there at the end of verse 13, it means to be found standing after an active battle. So here's the deal. You saw the first battle that we talked about. This last one is after the battle's over, our position should just be like this. We're still standing. And you know what that means? You tell the devil, you want some more of this? Come on back around. Because every time you come around, this is what's going to happen in the name of Jesus. Just like David said, I don't come in my might or my... I come against you in the name of the living God. And so once again here, we've got to understand, Jesus has empowered us. He's in empowered us. He's doing some things. Keep reading, verse 14. Stand. Stand. Now this last stand there, you know what it means? It means to take your stand... For the next battle. In other words, I'm ready. I never have put my weapons. It doesn't matter if I'm in battle. I've won. I'm on the way to another. I'm just always ready to go. And how do I do that? Well, keep reading. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know what that tells me? He's throwing darts at us all the time. He's throwing darts at us. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now when you look at those things, he, he lists several things that we must understand as believers. First of all, truth. The first one he mentioned was truth. The second one is righteousness. These are our weapons, guys. See, once again, the devil doesn't want you knowing truth. He does not want you knowing righteousness. You know what righteousness? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus puts me in right thing. The third one is peace. How many of you know peace is a weapon? And then the fourth one that he goes ahead and mentions right there is faith. Take the shield of faith. See, these are all weapons as believers we got to know. Why, so fa- why is faith so important? Well, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. So faith becomes... He says, take a shield of faith. And then the, the next one he says is salvation. The helmet of salvation that we're to, we're to put that on, but it doesn't end there. The Word of God is a weapon. If you look there in verse 17, he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now what do you do with a sword? You start swinging that rascal. You start swinging it. And I believe at times, that's what you got to picture yourself doing. Man, you are playing Zorro on the devil. Man, you're in the name. And every time you swing, that's the Word of God. And then the next one is prayer. And guys, prayer is so essential to each one. Prayer is a weapon. Now if you've never spent much time in prayer, I pray that you begin to ask God for you to have an appetite for prayer. Because you know how most people or most believers view prayer? As punishment. Oh crud, Lord, I don't want to pray. 
Guys, prayer is not punishment. Prayer is a privilege. It gives me an opportunity to come into the presence of God and hang out with God. And so it's, it's something that I believe every one of us ought to be doing daily, whether it's five minutes in the shower. Begin to commune with Father God. And some of you will say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, God doesn't want you to be religious. Our Father who art in heaven. That's not God. You know what God wants us to do? Just like we would converse with each other. God sees us how we act every day. So just talk to Him that way. Talk to Him how you would talk to, to your spouse or your best friend. And I'm going to tell you, God loves it. You know, Psalm 50.15 says, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll hear you. I'll help you. And so it comes that, that, that we, we get a heart to pray. You know, years back, guys, years back, I got around a man who, and you're talking about a prayer warrior. He, he was a prayer, he was in the military, he was stationed there at Cannon Air Force Base, and he was such a disciplined man. And, and I began to pick up with him. He was one of those men that every time I was around him, you know what he'd say to me? Hey, 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 let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you what God's speaking to me today. And I'd think, dear God, are you the only one he talks to? But you know what I figured out? This guy knew what it was to get in prayer. So he said to me, he said, listen. He said, I love to pray. I love to pray. He said, you need to start coming out with me and praying on Sunday mornings. So I began to start praying with him. And before long, I started praying on Wednesday nights. And every Sunday morning, and every Wednesday night. And when I'd get home at work, from work on Wednesday nights, I would run in at five, I would shower, I would close, I'd grab something, and I had to be up there, because I, I knew Frank was going to be there at six o'clock. And man, we would go, and so I got around a man of prayer, who understood authority. And man, I, I'd never been around anybody who threw the name of Jesus around like he did. And this was the man, guys, that years down the line, when I got to know him a lot better, this is the man that one night, he got called in the middle of the night, and they said, Mr. Campbell, his name was Frank Campbell, they said, you need to get to the hospital as quick as you can. So he gets up there, and you know, when you get a call at three in the morning, that's not always pleasant. He goes in, and they said, what happened? And he said, the doctor said to him, your son has, has tried to commit suicide. He injected his veins with Clorox. Both arms. And you know what the doctor said? He won't make it through the night. He said when that Clorox hits his vital organs, his body's going to sh start shutting down. And so Frank said that he asked the doctor if he could give him some time with his son. So the doctor left the room. And Frank went up to his son and he spoke into his ear. And he said, in the name of Jesus You'll live and not die. And he began to speak the Word of God. He prayed the whole night. He went back the next morning, walked in, and the doctor shook his head and said, I don't know what's going on. He said, your son's still alive. And he said, but I will tell you this. He said, he'll never have full use of his arms and his hands again because that's where all that's at. His arms are swollen. And so Frank said, he, he was telling me this. He said, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I ought to just be grateful that my son's alive. And you know what the Lord spoke to him? The Lord spoke to his heart and said, Frank, don't settle out of court with the devil. What do he mean by that? If I'm the God who, who kept him from dying, I can heal him too. 
So, so many times when we get things, we settle out of court with the devil. Instead of Jesus died for this. So he said, that's right. So he marched back in there and he laid his hands on his son's arms and began to pray. Then a couple of days, that son started using those arms again. Now this wasn't some man that got dressed in a phone booth. This was just the man that began to pray and began to pray. And so in my own life, I developed a passion for praying. I, guys, I'm telling you, I, I love to pray. This is where I hang out in my lunch hour, right here. This is my lunchroom. I love to come in here. You guys are welcome to come anytime. If you got five, stroll in here. I welcome you. It'll be a different prayer than some of you've ever seen in your life. Because you see me speak up here, you'll see me spit, and that's just the anointing. Well, when I get to praying, I really spit. Man, I go at it. I get real dramatized. There's times I'll bring a sword in here with me. I got this Moses staff. and I, I'm, It's real to me. I mean, I start splitting the Red Sea. I swing like David did. Man, I, I, I tell you, some of you in here, you wouldn't believe I rebuked the devil for some of you. Just in the name of you, you will not harass them today. And so it just becomes a pa- pastor. Have you always been there? No. No. You know, a lot of that comes from my mom. Some of you know my mom. I'm telling you, my mom's a prayer warrior. That's the reason you see me here. That's the reason she has two sons that are pastors. It's because of my mama's prayers. You don't think prayer works? You talk to her. Because she'll say, those two, no way no. They were... Now, I don't know how I'm getting off on all that. Let's, let's, go, let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, remember, we're in partnership. But why am I telling you? Sometimes we put up with the devil. We put up with the, his, his wiles and his tricks. Man, don't do that. Don't put up with him. Don't put up. If he's bothering you and your kids at night and your sleep, don't put up with him. Don't put, you know, for years of my life, I put up with him. I let him dominate my sleep. What do you mean by that? Well, Psalm 127.2 says, I give my beloved sweet sleep. Proverbs 3.24 says that He gives us His beloved sweet sleep. That He says that when you lie down, your sleep will be not only sweet, but peaceful. So I began to see that in the Bible, and I thought, how dare Him mess with my sleep? If your kids are having... Go in there and speak over them. And the reason I'm telling you that, I didn't have a good night's sleep. He messed with my sleep last night. I'm telling you, it irritated me. It irritates me when He messes around. And so, you know what? I'm going to put up with it. But some of you need to get at that, where you get that in your heart and say, okay, in the name of Jesus. The name of, I remember years ago, guys, the only thing I used to could say is the name of Jesus. I couldn't say anything else. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Well, it's, it's better than MasterCard. It has no limit. It's good in heaven, earth, and hell. And so I'm going to tell you, wear that name out. I'm t- some of you need to get a vision, a, a heart of passion for the name of Jesus tonight. And say, so, oh, Pastor, I don't know. Yeah, you can. You get that on the inside of you. Some of you used to cuss with a passion. Just jump right out of you. Well, that's how the name of Jesus is. The name of Jesus. Okay. Woo, Ephesians 2. That's where I told you to go, didn't I? Let's, let's, start in, uh, let's start in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Yep. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. According to who? The prince of the power of the air, the devil. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. 
That ought to be a, 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 an enlightenment right there to a lot of us. I'm going to tell you, that's the goal of the devil, is to get us to walk in obedience. And this is the thing. When you walk in accordance with this world, and it's dominated by the devil. You study 1 Corinthians 2.15, and it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of her flesh, and the pride of life. That's exactly what this is talking about. Keep reading. Verse 3. Among whom also we all, all were once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Yep, I did. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh, yes, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love which He loved us, because of His great love which He loved you, which He loved me, which God loves the world, is what the Bible said. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Now I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to tell you in these next two verses, you're going to see three togethers. Three togethers. Keep reading here with me. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, He made us alive together with Christ. How have I been made alive? Together with Christ. I've been made alive. So you know what that tells me? I was dead. You were dead. The very first, uh, verse, uh, first part of verse 5 tells us we were dead in trespasses and sin, but Jesus made us alive together. Now, I like that. You know what that means? Jesus qualified me. He qualified you. And right now, if you're dead in trespasses and sin, I want you to know Jesus has paid the price for you together with Him. See the partnership? See the partnership? Jesus qualifies us. What's my job? Just coming to Him. Something happened, guys, when we as human beings surrender to God. When I surrender to God. One, one of the key things I'm seeing right now, when people surrender to God in praise and worship, God moves. When people passionately worship God, I mean passionately, where they don't care. They don't care who's around. And we got ones in the church, man, they are passionately worshipers of God. God will respond to you. The second area I see God responding to people is when they respond to Him. Whether that's through prayers or through altar calls. Now guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, this last week in this church, we've had some incredible, incredible moves of the Holy Ghost. And some of you may not be, some of you may, some of it may involve your kids. And a lot of it is they're beginning to respond to God. We had a lady here last weekend, or last Wednesday, she responded to God right here. She came down and she prayed, or she wanted prayer. We just began to lay hands on her, and I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost came in. It came in so much that her, uh, she showed up at my office the next day. And you know what she said to me? She said, Pastor, what did you do to me last night? And I looked at her. And I said, darling, I didn't do nothing to you except speak the name of Jesus. And you know what she said? I don't hear those voices anymore. She said, I don't have all that fear, all that junk in me. What, what, what happened? I said, darling, you got, you, got, you got a shot of the Holy Ghost. And this happened again last night. We've had it happen with our teenagers. But you know what I'm seeing? When people respond to God. When people don't respond to God, you know why we don't respond to God? 
One is because we got a hard heart. Number two, we got pride. I don't want anybody to know I got problems. Well, it's too late. We all know you got problems. How's that? Because we're human beings. We've all got some problems. It's just how we respond to Him. So He's made us, right here, He's made us alive together with Christ. That's the first one. And how has He done that? By grace, you've been saved. By gra- He's empowered us. Verse 6, the second together. And He's raised us up together. He's ra- You don't want to raise us up together? That means He's picked us up. That must mean that we were down and out. And He said, you know what? I'm going to raise you up together with me. Now keep reading here. And He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now think about in the heavens that right now, Jesus is seated at, seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says right here that He seated me and you in heavenly places. You know what that's done for us? In God's eyes, we're royalty. We're royalty, guys. Some of you said, not me, Pastor. Yeah, you are. You're royalty. Because Jesus has qualified us here. And you look at these togethers, and this is what He wants to do. He's made us alive together. He's raised us up together. He's seated us together in heavenly places. And so I think the Lord said, man, just hook up to me. Hook up to me. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so when I look at this right here, His grace, it describes an undeserved kindness. And my job is just to trust Him, to believe Him. And what I like about this is when I look at this, It's from the start. When we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but right there in verse 8 he says that he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward Christ Jesus. In the, the ages to come. So it's just not the start. It's through eternity. He wants to bless us. Verse 9. I verse 8. For grace you've been saved. How? Through faith. That not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of your works, lest anyone should boast. See, it's not of our works. You know what? If it was our works, we'd go around and tell everybody, look how spiritual I am. Look how awesome I am. No? When it's by Jesus and by His grace, I mean, the only one give credit is Jesus, so you know what all i got to begin to do? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, you've graced me. Thank you, you've saved me. I don't deserve it. But I'm sure going to rejoice in it. I'm sure going to receive it. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship. We're God's handiwork. And get this, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared that we should walk in them. And So when you begin to see all this just in the book of Ephesians, man, Jesus paid a lot for us. And he paid that, and he, wa- he wants us to walk in it. And I'm not downplaying salvation in heaven. Man, I'm going to tell you, heaven's going to be an awesome place. But you know what? I'm not in heaven yet. I'm still here on earth. And Jesus said that I, I died that you may have life and that more abundantly. Now, if all there was to, to uh, eternity was salvation, when Ernest got born again, the best thing we should have done is just took took one of our police officers and shot him in there. Boom! If, if that's it, it's salvation. No, God wants us to walk this earth in victory. 
He wants us to be the envy of the, the, the world. Where people look at us and say, what's different about you? And then you're able to look at them and say, Jesus. The only thing I can tell you is Jesus. Jesus on the inside of me. And so that's where God wants to get each one of us. And He uses the, the problems in our lives as promotions. He uses our tests in life as our testimonies. And so I don't care what you're going through, there'll be someone someday in your lifetime that will need to hear what God's done in your life. And you can say, you know what? I once was a drunk. I once used to wear a WWJD bracelet. And it wouldn't, what would Jesus do? It was, we want Jack Daniels. But not no more. I now know that Jesus loves me. He's for me. And some of you can say, I used to be divorced, but God did this and it restored me. And I used to be, and I, and you know what? God works through people. And that's why, guys, we gotta hook up with Him and get busy and we gotta stand on our feet right now or the nursery workers are going to shoot pastor. 